everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Sunday's Bloody Sundays, which will hopefully be your new one-stop shop for horror film talk and brunch gossip. I'm Sophie Day. I'm a writer over at bloodygoodhorror.com, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host and little sister, Hannah. Hi. How's it going? Um, well, I am currently recording from my roommate's room because I live in a laundry room and another one of my roommates is doing laundry right now so i am joined by our third co-host for today which is the alexa turn lights on okay oh that time she listened to me she keeps telling me i'm doing it wrong I feel like it's one of those things where, like, when technology is not working for you, you can try everything, but as soon as you try to tell someone else or show someone else it's not working, <laughs> then it works. <laughs> That's so true. Like, when you sit down on a leather couch and it makes a farting noise, and then you try to do it again so people know that you didn't fart, and then... It Hannah, that sounds like a again. super specific and personal <laughs> problem that's rooted in a story. Are you kidding me? Does that not happen to you like every time that happens? I don't sit on leather couches that often, I guess. Well, I don't know, not leather. I don't know, like, I don't know anything. It doesn't have to be a leather couch. Like, sometimes it's just the way your foot catches on hardwood floor and it makes like a farting noise. <laughs> and then you try to do it again so that you make it clear that it's like not you farting and then it just never happens again. Oh my gosh, Hannah! <laughs> well, it's the leather couch in my roommate's room. It's also connected to the Alexa. Yeah. Well, so uh, thank you to all of our listeners for fixing Hannah's Alexa problem because we talked about it before the show for a good five minutes. Like <laughs> you could not get the lights to come on any color but red, which is sort of appropriate, I guess. Yeah. I mean, maybe this was all meant to be because I am currently bathed in red dark, dim light right now in an unfamiliar locale. (laughs) Well, so as I said up top, uh, Hannah and I are sisters, so we have known each other for quite some time. Yeah, basically my whole life. Well, basically, (laughs) I have some questions. Um, We've sort of batted around the idea of having a podcast and never really settled on anything, uh, but Hannah, I was wondering if you wanted to tell folks about how we came to this idea and what led us to to this recording session. Um, Well... You have some background already doing some podcasts, um, like with your Bloody Good Horror stuff, Um, and then you have your Behold an Electric Terror, which I guested on one time, which was really fun. That is accurate. You you are not a podcast virgin. You've done it once. I guess that's true. Yeah, I did it that one time, Um, and we went to an event together for Bloody Good Horror where uh, people seemed to respond dare I say positively to positively 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 I think either of them work <laughs> um either way people welcome to the pronunciation it. cast yeah uh yeah, so either way, people seem to be feeling it, like the way that we kind of talk about things and the rapport that we have, and then, um, like, what was it, like, two or four triple pours of wine drink tickets later, <laughs> I was like, this is our podcast, we have to do it now, 
And yeah, if any of you out there are uh, came to us by way of Bloody Good Horror, I want you to know that what Hannah means is that after one double pour of wine, she had cornered Eric, who she had just met, and was like, this is our podcast idea. Tell me how to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I needed his approval. <laughs> well, it sounds like he liked it, although who knows if he'll ever listen to an episode. Well, maybe we sh- should hope that he doesn't because don't want him to get too big of a head about it. That's true. Um, so yeah, so we decided, you know, Hannah and I talk on a pretty regular basis on the phone and some of the stuff we talk about, um, I feel like a common theme in a lot of our conversations is just why aren't more people talking about this? And whether that's experiences we have with creepy men or just living our lives, um, as, as young women who both live in cities, um, uh, for those of you who can't tell by listening, Hannah and I are, are both women and, we have a very particular perspective that that I think a lot of men might not understand. Um, and I sort of feel like the, the reality is that those conversations are happening everywhere. They're just sort of happening on a lot of really small stages. And so we both really liked the idea of sort of putting together a place where we could sort of voice those concerns and have those conversations. And if that is helpful or meaningful to anyone in any way, then that would be really fun for us. Um, Plus, I just think we're kind of a good time. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And we also, like, when we we live in different cities, but when we are together, we're big fans of brunch. So we thought working off of that idea, we could find some way to use our conversating and loves of brunch to reach other people in a nice way. Yeah, for sure. And people who know me know that there are maybe one or two podcasts that I listen to that I will describe to people as, oh, it's like going out for brunch with your friends. Um, But I don't necessarily know of any podcasts or I don't listen to anywhere. That's kind of their mission statement. Here at Sundays, Bloody Sundays, what what we really want to do is sort of give you the experience of being at brunch with a couple of your girlfriends and just sort of talking about a bunch of things. Um, When Hannah uh, was somewhat uh, tipsily pitching our podcast to Eric and some of our other BGH friends, she sort of said, you know, we'll talk about horror movies and feminism and periods. (laughs) And I think that's sort of... uh, the germ of this idea but yeah we're just hoping to kind of to chat and talk kind of informally about horror movies because that's a genre that we really love um and there aren't nearly enough women being able to talk about them uh, and have people listen and and also just like what's going on in our lives yeah well and speaking as a single person who sometimes enjoys a good brunch alone with some headphones in you can always use this as a way to get out there and pretend like you're interacting with humans. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. So we're going to be like the Scarlett Johansson from her to mm-hmm. your brunch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, someday we'll invent a platform where you can talk back to us. We're not quite there yet. I mean, you can talk. We might not hear you. But um, it'll it'll probably send... brighten the day of the other people having brunch around you. And we will send uh, surrogates unannounced to show up at your brunches. And represent us. <laughs> oh, I kind of like that idea. How do we audition surrogates? <laughs> um, like, if you okay, here's what I want to know: if you were gonna if you were gonna post a billing for a surrogate for me, what would you post? I would be like um, a human Barbie doll <laughs> with 
um, <laughs> a sort of fun, geeky, bright colored hair, add-on aesthetic. Um, and dare I say, Amazonian stature? Wow. I feel like yours is, like, so beautiful and specific. I was just going to say, like, a, a young, a young, no, no, no. I was going to say, like, a young Tina Fey must love wigs. <laughs> I'm, like, statuesque, natural blonde beauty. <laughs> but, hey, I'll take it. And in high school, I was, in, I was voted in 10 years Liz Lemon, which, in retrospect, I'm, like, Damn, people thought I was going to be sad and lonely real quick after high school. <laughs> I think that teenagers, like, don't really understand the sadness of that show. They're just kind of like, oh, it's really funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Although I do eat a lot of cheese at night alone. So uh, maybe it hurts because there's some truth in it. <laughs> well, Hannah, since this is our uh, very first Sunday's Bloody Sunday's brunch, I was wondering, what is your uh, go-to Bloody Mary ingredient? Um, well, I'm a huge fan of olives, and actually I used to despise them. I thought they were disgusting. And then maybe about like two, three years ago, also when I started getting into Bloody Marys, I started getting into olives, and now I love olives. And sometimes I'll ask for just olives on my skewer. And fun tip for people who go to the movies alone, like me, or, you know, if you go with to the movies with people and you don't mind them perhaps participating in a semi-shameful act sometimes if I go to a late movie and there's a bar in the theater I go to the bar and I'll ask if I can just have a cup full of olives before they throw away the olives (laughs) and I have a pretty solid success rate so far although I've never done this with like another person I mean, I absolutely stand by my posting for your surrogate. (laughs) The bartenders are usually like, they're either like, uh, sure. Or they're like, oh yeah, oh my God, we were going to throw these out anyway. Like, take them. You want two cups? So, I mean, highly recommend. Wow, that's a real life hack there. (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, I am not an olive fan. And uh, so one of the things that I really like to put in a Bloody Mary, and I think this will not be uh, a huge mind-blowing fact for anyone, but pickle juice is darn good in a Bloody Mary. Um, Yeah. And I currently live in Kansas City, Missouri, and out here in Missouri you can get a specific brand of pickle called Float Trip Pickles, which uh, the jar will come with pickles that are a little bit sweet, not terribly sweet, and they also have jalapeno slices in there. And specifically, that juice, that pickle juice is phenomenal. And I'll go ahead and put like a couple tablespoons in a Bloody Mary. (laughs) So uh, that's that's definitely a go-to for me. Pickle juice all the way. Pickle juice and celery salt on the rim. I went to quite possibly the most extravagant Bloody Mary bar I've ever seen in my life this past weekend. Oh, tell me about it. Come to think of it, they didn't have any like pickle juice necessarily. I mean, they had like pickle skewers but i feel mm-hmm. like they should just have a cup of the juice yeah i mean i think a there. lot of times at if you go to a bar or a brunch situation that has build your own bloodies i think they very rarely have pickle juice which i think is a huge faux pas yeah 
Although, again, if it's a Bloody Mary bar that's attached to a mimosa bar, sometimes if I'm there for mimosas, don't mean I won't throw an olive in there. In the mimosa? Yeah. Hannah, okay. I know we were going to record a podcast right now, but I think we need to have an intervention. <laughs> let me go let in all the people that I've had, that I've called here special just to talk to you about your problem with olives. Honestly, the more we're talking about it, I have a whole jar in the fridge. I'm like, oh, do I just pop them out or should I wait till after we're recording? I guess I'll wait. <laughs> oh, my Lord. All right, Hannah. So where is your favorite place to get a, bl- a Bloody Mary and what makes it so good? So... I've been fluctuating a lot recently on favorite places for Bloody Marys in Chicago, where I reside. Um, And I'm not sure I have, like, a full-on favorite right now, but I will say the place that I went to this past weekend, which is a place uh, in River North in Chicago called Bub City, was the place that I've been to that has the craziest Bloody Mary bar I've ever seen. So I got a Bloody Mary with tequila, which is how I like it, if possible. Ooh, I've never tried that, but I think I would like it. Yeah, I've been informed they call it a Bloody Maria. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, in my Bloody Mary, I put three pickles, a skewer of cheese, a skewer of olives, of course, uh, two miniature grilled cheese sandwiches, four shrimp, a uh, Beyond Burger slider and an oyster whoa that sounds extravagant as fuck yeah oh and you get a beer back with it too you know the bloody mary i was gonna recommend also comes with a beer back oh okay Uh, well that's a solid segue it's like you've done this before oh my gosh so i was gonna say there's a place here in kansas city called tribe um, that I really love. It's kind of funny because my partner, uh, he is not a fan at all. Um, everyone I've ever taken there loves it, but for some reason it's just not his jam. (laughs) But their whole vibe is sort of, um, that all of their food is inspired by like street food and food truck food in different countries. So you get a really cool eclectic mix of food and their backyard Bloody Mary, first of all, comes with Zing Zangs, which is if you're going to make Bloody Marys at home, Mm. that's my favorite mix. I don't, I don't fuck with any other mix. Zing Zang is my favorite and a, uh, an IPA beer back, which is delightful. And I will say that if you live in the Missouri area, um, and you ever get the chance to go to Tribe, I actually meant to tell you about this, Hannah, because I was there for brunch this weekend, and I had run a 15K Saturday morning, Ugh, and I went Greg. straight <laughs> I went straight from the race to brunch. And I wanted to have a cocktail with brunch, but also had just run a long distance and was, you know, didn't want to didn't push it. And uh, they have a cocktail that I'm sure is intended for people recovering from p- going too hard the night before. Now... I had gone to bed at nine, but I had run a race. So the, you know, the appeal was the same. And the drink is called the Revival of the Littest. (laughs) And it is rum, pineapple juice, lime juice, and orange Pedialyte. And it was delightful. (laughs) Oh my God. What a mixture. Yeah. Rehydrate while you are. There has never been a better hair of the dog. Let me just tell you. So if you live in the area, definitely check that out. Love that. Um, so now that everyone is all set to, uh, snuggle into the booth for their brunch, Hannah, why don't you tell us about the movie that we're going to talk about today? Okay, so today we're getting into a movie that I feel like while we're discussing 
is really going to sound like a Lifetime original movie, but is in mm-hmm. fact a Netflix original movie. Um, the Brenda Song vehicle, Secret Obsession, which you and I watched together uh, recently and then sort of dipped our toes back into uh, for this conversation. Um, it is sort of like an homage to misery in some ways. And mm-hmm. I could see that. Single white female kind of a vibe. Um, I don't know. Do we want to like get like into the whole plot right away? Yeah. Why don't you give us like the very like flyover view of the plot without giving any away any huge spoilers? Okay. So I would say Disney Channel's Brenda Song um, mm-hmm. is grown up and as gorgeous as ever, if I oh, may she's say. Ageless. She, she wears is so many sweaters in this movie so and I wanted sweaters. all of them. Her skin, her skin, her skin. Yeah, we'll talk flawless. about it. Anyway, she, uh, well, we start out, things are dark, shaky camera, not really sure what's happening. She's running. She gets a head injury. Next thing we know, she's waking up in the hospital with her super hot husband, the guy from Grind. And he takes her home to their lavish log cabin mansion. Yeah, like, would we say log cabin or would we say a giant mountain estate that happens to be made of logs? (laughs) And also... um, She's in a wheelchair at this point, and it is the least wheelchair-accessible house in the history of houses. Yeah, I mean, like, it has a sunken living room. It feels like the level changes between every single room on the first floor. It's as if whoever designed the home made it specifically to fuck with someone in a wheelchair. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. everywhere. And I honestly feel like... And railings. I feel like he may have just put a lot of that stuff in on purpose so he could carry her around with his big biceps. Mm-hmm. And it's things like that that at first make him appear, you know, like he's the hot guy from Grind. Yeah, he seems very doting and lovely and mm-hmm. nice. And then we get sort of our first glimpse, something's not right, when they're in bed together and she has no memory. She's lost all her memory She's not feeling super comfortable with this man who is allegedly her husband. And he tries to get a little something going. And she's like, I'm not ready. And he handles it. Well, and she doesn't just say she's not ready. She, like, very visibly, like, is into it and then panics. Yeah. Yeah. And he handles it great. Just kidding. Yeah, he's terrible. He's (laughs) real terrible. He grabs her by the arm. And it's basically like, what the fuck? Why won't you have sex with me? Yeah, he. I think what he says is essentially like, I waited in the ho- hospital for you for days to wake up, yeah. and I've been like taking care of you, and like, what do I get? A wife who won't sleep with me, and it's a real mess. It's um, like, yikes! But before we go too far down the trail of uh, this guy not being as great as he appears on his literal surface, um, <laughs> there is also a detective. Oh, right, the detective. The detective. So Hannah and I originally watched... Yeah, Hannah and I originally watched this movie together. Um, We watched it in her bedroom in Chicago when we were both very hungover at the end of a long weekend of BGH uh, festivities. And... um, 
I remember saying to her repeatedly, the detective is played by the, I don't remember the actor's name, but we should look it up, um, who is the, like, spokesperson for Allstate Insurance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'll look up, and I'll get was, a name for him right now. It was very difficult <laughs> to, to, like, remove him from that role because even his voice is so iconic that I struggled to not have him be well, and that guy. Well, and they really trying to like beat us over the head with the fact that his character is a grizzled detective who's been through some shit and lost his daughter yeah but like we all dennis know he's haysbert. in good hands dennis haysbert is our man thank you oh thank sophie you. wait that was so good <laughs> i'm so sorry i was too busy imdbing oh it's i just okay. woke up alexa I'm not talking um, to you bitch <laughs> Um, so yeah, we have this detective who, so, um, you know, in the opening bit that you talked about, uh, when Brenda Song gets hit by a car, there's just like a couple things that don't quite line up. And so this detective is trying to look into them. And, and obviously, um, as you would anticipate from, like you said, a Lifetime-esque movie, the more he looks into the case, the more kind of weird things come up. Um, he has not been able to get a hold of... Um, her name is Allison, is that right? Yes. So he, he wait, is no. called... Wait, is it Allison or Jennifer? It's Jennifer. <laughs> uh, her last name is Allen, so that's why I got Okay, confused. there you go, there you go. <laughs> he has, um, he has tried getting a hold of her because he wants her to come in and answer a couple questions now that she's been discharged from the hospital, and, um... Her husband, Russell, um, speaks to the detective and says, you know, I'll bring her in tomorrow. And then he doesn't. And he also doesn't tell Jennifer that he talked to the detective. And then, you know, the detective's trying to figure out, well, if she didn't have... So when she was found and brought to the emergency room, she didn't have any ID or anything on her. So he calls and says, how did you guys ID her? And how did you know that he was her husband? Um... And this nurse, who is played by, I'm so bad at actress names, but she's played by an actress from Unreal, which is a TV show you and I both really loved. Mm-hmm. So we got excited um, when she popped up. Yes, we but were also both we were both thrilled. like, she's definitely gonna die. Yeah, from her past work. Yeah, oh boy. So, um, but she says, you know, he came in and he had. A bun- he told us who she was, and he had a bunch of, he had a big photo album of pictures of them, you know, proving that they're married. So, um, he is frequently gone from the house during the day, and Jennifer slowly starts to get to a point where she can walk with a cane or sort of, like, hop around, um, <laughs> and, you know, with, with some difficulty she can get Accurate. around the house. hop around. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, like, there's no cell phone reception, um, and she doesn't really have any connection to the outside world except Russell. And she starts going through this photo album, trying to, like, jog her memory. Um, and eventually her memory does start getting jogged, but for some reason this guy's still not fitting into what she is starting to remember. And I think she, at first, like, doesn't remember anything explicit. She's just, like, having kind of fuzzy memories, but something still feels off. Um, and then she finds a horrifying folder on his laptop full of, (laughs) (laughs) full of pictures where he has taken a white, like, men's undershirt and... I don't know why he was wearing it and he wasn't just shirtless, but he has cut, like, the whole neck out so that he can take pictures where the, sh- the, sh- the shirt doesn't show. Oh, and um, don't forget, it's in a it's in a folder folder labeled 
PRIVATE in all caps. Oh my gosh, so I did not remember that. Like, Look in here. And it's on his desktop, I think. Yeah. Um, we later learned that this guy worked in IT, so the fact that, like, he would do that and also that none of this stuff was, like, encrypted or password protected is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, he has all There these... is a password on his computer, and it's just her name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, his, his very private... His, his very private folder does not have a password on right, it. Right, right, right. Um, so in all these photos where he has cut the neck off his shirt, he has perfectly he's in front of like a blue screen in all the photos and he has perfectly approximated the head tilt of her real husband and then photoshopped his head into all of her photos and then replaced her entire photo album um as you do and so that's the pictures that she's been looking at so now we know that he's not who he said he is we slowly learn that you know allison not Allison, Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer fell in love with this guy at her work and their job, you know, usually frowned upon in her office uh, relationships, but they were so cute together, it was fine. And the the very uh, beautiful, handsome, smoldering, creepy guy from Grind was the IT guy who got fired because he punched the boss in the face. Um, and so... Although clearly start- had a second career in Photoshopping. Obviously, the I mean, Photoshop pictures are flawless. They're stunning. I mean, they they are just further proof of the kind of horrifying things that happen in advertising. Except that, like, for, just a little bit of Photoshop can do. Go, can, yeah, it goes a long way. But there's one photo that she looks at early on that's like a little bit off, which is when she starts to get suspicious. Yeah. So it's like. You know, he still slips up from time well, to but time. Can we talk about that picture? Because the second time I rewatched this movie before we recorded, because mm. I wanted to make sure I kind of remembered what had happened. And um, so the picture okay, that Sophie, Hannah's- you trying to make me feel bad? No, I no, just no. Did, like, this the is just notes version. This is a peek behind <laughs> the curtain for our for the people who are listening. The, the first time we watched this movie was well over a month and a half ago, so I this didn't remember any of it. This is a peek behind the curtain of our um, family. Um, Sophie has always been an A student and a goodie <laughs> two shoes, and who has a terrible memory. I feel like I feel like that's memory, part of that's this. That's fair. I've got a great memory. Always got by more on uh, teacher comments on my report cards than the actual <laughs> grades. Um, but yeah, the the picture that she that sort of like triggers her and makes her realize that something is wrong is a picture where Russell, this guy, has his arm around her at a party, and there's a mirror behind them, and and the reflection of the back of his head doesn't quite match. Now, the actor from Grind has, like, dirty blonde hair, Mm -hmm. and the guy that plays, the guy who plays her husband in flashbacks um, has darker brown hair, but in that photo, the second time, yeah, but in that photo, I was like, there's no way you would notice that and be like, (laughs) clearly this guy is a psychopath. (laughs) It's, like, such a weird small thing to notice. Well, is it before or after he grabs her arm? It might be after. Yeah, because I feel like um, her her uh, her spidey senses of, were starting to tingle yeah. at that point. Um, well, yeah. So I like let's talk a little bit about this movie because the first time we watched this, you know, like we both, like you said, it really feels like a lifetime movie. It's definitely in that vein of of sort of like a dramatic romantic thriller kind yeah. of thing. I think that's also sort of a market that Netflix is trying to break into with sure. movies like Christmas Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're trying to get into 
like those cheesy made for TV movies that right. are incredibly popular. Or shoot shows like you, which um which you, Ugh. Hannah, but, uh, but appeared that on a podcast with me about. That wasn't originally Netflix. That was oh, you're right. That was Lifetime. Lifetime. Okay. Um, Wait, but I guess that kind of proves it, you know? Sorry, right, I think, Lifetime, then Netflix bought it. Right. Guilty pleasure type uh, territory that they're getting right. into. Um, but there were some things I noticed about this movie uh, watching it the second time when I was sort of, when I realized we were going to talk about it and I had to pay attention so I would have things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's actually kind of interesting because there are, um, there are things that this movie does that I actually kind of appreciated. And one of them is the scene that happens when they're in bed together, which you already talked about. Um, because I think, so up to that point in the movie, he's been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And that scene... And she also still seems to kind of be getting a vibe that something's not right. Right, right. Despite the fact that he's coming off to the audience as, like, a beautiful, doting husband. Right, right. Um, And I just, I really appreciated that scene because, and and I'd love to know your take on this, because to me it felt like um, there are, I mean, there are men who react that way in situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way that it's handled in the movie, um, and hopefully not to like big it up too much or give the movie too much credit, but it feels like it is shot to be scary and it's scary. Yeah. I mean, like you, it's not at all fuzzy or hazy what's going on. It's immediately like something is really wrong, even if he is, like, a good husband, this would be unacceptable, but clearly, like, something is wrong. Yeah, well, it's, like, he, maybe that's also because it is a, it is a vibe that a lot of women are probably used to, where sometimes a guy who seems really cool can sort of change really quickly. Right. um, Especially when sex is involved. And your level of comfort can go from, you know, totally into it and totally comfortable to all of a sudden you're getting a feeling like maybe this guy's not right, especially in a sexual context. And right. you're like, I got to get out of here. And guys will so often play on this thing of like, well, you kind of owe me, don't you? Like, mm-hmm. I bought you dinner or like, I paid for your life to come over. So right. like now you have to. He, he's right. like, I waited in the hospital for you. And as we're talking about this, this actually reminds me a lot. Um, I didn't think of this until just now, but listening to you sort of say that this this reminds me a lot um, in that context of an interaction that you and I had a couple years ago at a party. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Ah, uh, yes, of course, the matador. So Hannah and I were at a Halloween party. This would have been two or three years ago in Chicago, um, and it was a party where. Um, Lots and lots of, I would say a majority of the women there were wearing, like, very, very, like, sexy costumes. Mm -hmm. And Hannah and I were kind of not, like, very decidedly not. Um, And I can only speak for myself. Well, it depends on who you ask. Because I think a brainy costume can be a sexy costume. Absolutely agree. But you know what I mean. Like, (laughs) we certainly were not, like, scantily clad in any way. Um, And I can only speak for myself, but I, you know, getting there, um, my partner and I were a little bit older than most of the people at the party, and I felt sort of, like, weird and uncomfortable and out of place for not being in, like, a sexier costume. Um, 
And this guy came up and started talking to the two of us, and he was really nice. Um, and he was, I, I'm now struggling to remember, like, a lot of what he was saying. He was just kind of, like, saying all the right things mm-hmm. that you would, like, want a guy to say to show you that he's, like, he's not creepy. Yeah. And he gets it. Well, and he, he was specifically it. hitting on the fact, not hitting on us, but, like, in his conversing with us, sort of hitting on the talking points of pointing out that, like, our costumes were different, but that he was really appreciating that about us. Right, right. So that kind of built a, a level of, um, like, sort rapport. of like rapport and quick, quick trust, I would say. Yeah. And I think in that same vein, he was talking about, again, like you said, sort of like hitting all the talking points of, you know, um, guys can be really creepy and you have to try so hard. And, and, and we were having an interesting conversation with him, um, and then I think the way that you and I both described it afterwards is like he let the mask slip. Yeah. Where all of a sudden he looked right at you. Well, I guess you should tell this part because this happened to you directly. Uh, no, you can tell because to be honest, I don't entirely remember. Okay. So he <laughs> looks he looks right at Hannah and he said he's kind of like he has started. He went from being this guy who seemed really cool and with it to like it started feeling like weird creepy stuff was starting Mm -hmm. to edge into the conversation it was like his face changed yeah and all of a sudden he said to you like for example like you i can take one look at you and know exactly what you need to hear like you feel self-conscious that your costume's not sexy and you needed me to tell you that like your costume is hot and like then you automatically felt safe with me and you kind of liked me and we both were kind of like, wow, you are a sociopath, fuck yeah, off. Yeah, I, like um, I, like, I feel like we, like, both, like, simultaneously grabbed each other's arm, like, yeah. oh my god, In did fear. that just happen? It, yeah, it was sort of this, like, and, and just, like, to put a little cap on that story, he continued to be a creepy, weird creep, and then uh, Hannah eventually got him kicked out of the party for continuing to be horrifying. But the idea that rings true to me for that reason because the the way you are expressing that it that like I think we know and we understand that there is a problem in our culture around sort of like consent and the kind of pressure that women feel to like own their sexuality but also guard it and also uh be responsible for the way that men interact with our sexuality and um and I think there is this really scary and um uh i'm not thinking of the right word but just like troubling phenomena of men sort of knowing how to act like they're really nice and sweet Mm -hmm. because they know that will get them the thing they want it's kind of funny because i feel like when you watch this movie and when you are like if you read anything about it online afterwards it's so much like this movie's so cheesy this movie's so lame why is this not netflix and yet, when we were watching it, or at least when we were watching it, I kept saying, like, I don't hate this. Like, right. there were parts of it that I thought could have been better or could have gone, like, you know, more into either being, like, more ridiculous or mm-hmm. there were parts where I wanted it to be a little more gory or just the stakes to be a little higher. Mm-hmm. But that was something that I think that I appreciated about the movie overall was just some of the... Uh, little moments like that that ring so true mm-hmm. to just experiences that you can have just being a woman are yeah. scary. Yeah. And 
and also when you get to see a woman sort of like take back her power mm-hmm. from a man who's doing that is also a genuinely thrilling experience to me right honestly right well and when you were talking about things that 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 feel that ring true you know another thing that happens in the movie that we know happens in real relationships that are abusive is so she comes out of this coma and she has no memory and she says to him you know did you talk to my parents and he's like oh your parents are dead like you don't remember Mm -hmm. um we learn later that her parents are dead but he murdered them yeah um but then later she when they when she they go to the house together and he's sort of like taking care of her and he um she's feeling isolated she wants to go back to work and he says oh will you quit your job which we know is not true and she's like well what about friends do i have friends and he goes oh yeah sure i'm talking to them but he's he's isolating her from anyone else in her life right he's making it so that he's her only outlet to anything and there's no one else that she can go to for help which we know is a thing that people in abusive relationships will do abusers will seek to isolate their partner so that they don't have anywhere else to go yeah um, which I thought was interesting. And one of the things I think we talked about watching this that um, I just thought was kind of a, a neat touch is because we do learn that he had photoshopped his face into all these photos. There are several shots of him where he's entering a room or whatever, where he comes into frame and his face is obscured. Either the camera just shoots from the shoulders down or he's carrying something that covers his face. Mm-hmm. And, I like it because it sort of it sort of leans into this idea that he he's always sort of hiding, um, yeah, sort of in plain sight. Like he's hiding who he really is. He like like this guy at the party. Like yeah. he had a mask and he's keeping it on. Yeah, um, which was interesting. Yeah, well, and I also um, when we were watching it together, well, one thing we both liked about it just in general was the Allstate guy. Who again, I know I looked up his name so he could give him like the credit he deserved. It just feels right for me to keep calling him that. Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert. <laughs> the Allstate guy. Uh, Detective Allstate is really good. His, 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 like, yeah. His character, though, in a lot of ways, is was actually pretty solid for a horror movie, like, as a detective. Like, mm-hmm. so many things happened that he was like, nope, isn't right. Nope, doesn't feel right. And he didn't fall into any of the usual horror movie traps. Like, he kept right. pursuing it and pursuing it and pursuing it. Um, and we learn at a certain point, you know, his character has a daughter that died. And... I think that's, like, the first thing we learned about yeah, him. Yeah, because he, you know, does the classic thing you do where you go buy a present for your daughter every year for her birthday and then put it in a closet and then you wrap it and put it in a closet wrap and cry it, it was very put it, in a closet. it was really sad that but also i introduction to uh, also i think the i i think the idea is that she went missing and he couldn't find her so the implication oh. is that she's dead but but there's a when we're kind of introduced to this idea there's like a um there's like a scene it might be when he's sitting by the closet where there's all kinds of audio playing over top that's like sounds like a news report about a girl going missing and then a woman's voice who i presume is presume is his ex-wife saying like you're a cop but you can't find your own daughter yeah oh okay see i did not remember that from when we watched it which sort of sort of you know obviously they put in there as a plot device to explain why he won't give up trying to find brenda song because he you know. So one thing we liked about that, though, was that in the end, in the final confrontation, where it's all three of them, like, well, 
Brenda Song and Detective Allstate mm-hmm. um, confronting the now scary guy from Grind. Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, oh, now he's going to kill, now Detective Allstate is going to kill Handsome Guy and she's going to be his new daughter. And at first we were kind of rooting for that, but then we were both like, oh, but I kind of want her to kill him. Like, right. that that seems more, like, that. that's what I want for her. And in the final battle or brawl or whatever you want to call it, there it's really touch and go. Where it's like, who's going to kill him? Who's going to kill him? And eventually it is her. And... I also think that that was a, a moment for me where I really appreciated the film in a way where I was like, okay, I feel like there's at least some thought in this that I'm yeah. responding to a lot from a female perspective. Definitely. And I think while we're, I mean, I definitely don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think no. like you're saying, <laughs> if if you want a sort of Lifetime-esque thriller, I think this is a really good version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we're talking about things we like, I mean... We should just go into a little bit. I think that we talked a little bit about Detective Allstate, but um, Brenda Song and the guy from Grind are both so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, their perform- her performance is really, I think, really beautiful. And, um, I mean, also, she's just gorgeous. But, like, her performance is very believable. For most of the movie, like you said, she's either in a wheelchair or on crutches or kind of hopping around. Yeah, and, and she- her limp is is uh, very consistent. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Is like she there's a scene later on where she hurts her ankle and then you know, she's sort of outed as knowing that something is wrong. And so Russell is sort of threatening her and holding her ankle and squeezing it and twisting on it. Um and so after that, whenever she's moving around, she's like limping hard mm-hmm. and she's like running and limping and going downstairs and limping. And like, she does a really good job. Yeah. Um, it's not a super easy thing to do. So, although so she I, did great. I will say I would have liked it better in the movie if he had, you know, this is more for the horror people out there. I yeah. wanted the movie to go that extra step and have him like snap her ankle in Ooh. his hand. Yeah, that would have been brutal. Because he snapped somebody's neck, so like we had sort of seen that already. Um, right. But there was a couple things like that when it did get, when it did go into a more like typical horror movie place, um, or like not necessarily a typical horror movie, but like when we had the discovery of her parents, their bodies were like really decomposed and gnarly. Yeah, that was a lot more gnarly than I thought they were going to yeah, go. Yeah, exactly. So I like that this movie that I'm looking at as a typical Lifetime movie, It that was the step they took being like, nah, this is Netflix. You're going to see some disgusting decomposing corpses. Yeah. I wanted him to like snap her ankle in that part just to take it one step further that would have been pretty intense yeah yeah but i do still think i enjoyed a her limp (laughs) and that maybe because he didn't fully break her leg he she was able to still you know like triumph over him in the end of the film so what do you think do you think uh are you going to recommend this movie to our brunch buddies honestly i would 
Because I think this would be a really fun movie to like have some girlfriends over yeah. and like make mimosas and just like because like you said, I mean, like if you especially if you grew up around the time we did and you were a fan of like Grind and I can't remember this guy's name, but this guy was like the cute guy in a bunch of movies when we were growing up. Yes. Um, well, even as an adult, he normally plays like a handsome protector or a handsome protagonist. Like, right. He is, he is a good guy. Like he's a classically handsome blonde man. He's yeah. normally cast as a good person in things. Yeah. Like you might know him from such things. If you didn't watch grind, the actor's name is Mike Vogel. Mm. Um, he's like the lead guy in Cloverfield who like traverses all of a destroyed New York City to find his girlfriend and carry her broken body out of an apartment building. Yes. So, like, that's what he usually plays, right? Like you said. And in this movie, it seems like that's... I mean, if you're watching this movie, you probably know from the jump that he's not a good guy because you have an idea what the movie is. But he's sort of playing this, like, really sweet, loving husband. And, um... And yeah, it, it turns and it turns really hard mm-hmm. and it's really fascinating to see this guy um, just play like a really creepy, violent person. Yeah, well, and also just like what that represents overall, where like he's a really handsome, doting husband, mm-hmm. but so, like one thing that he seems to be like genuinely threatened by is her... As she heals, she wants to, like, regain her own self. Right. And, like, she doesn't need him. Yeah. And he, like, really can't stand that. And I think that that's one thing that makes the movie, I guess, a little more redeemable, a little more fun to watch is that the way that that speaks to a female experience Mm-hmm. is honestly, in a weird way, like, quite genuine. Like, more genuine than you expect from a movie like this. Right. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, if you have not yet watched Secret Obsession, it's streaming on Netflix. Um, and I would definitely recommend watching it with friends rather than alone. Yeah. I mean, I know we're talking, we are talking about all the things we like about it, but at the end of the day, it is still kind of a, a silly, like, middle-of-the-day movie, so I would watch it with an audience. If you're, probably it's your a best great bet. movie for if you're hungover, if you make yourself one of those Pedialyte drinks you were talking about in the beginning. <laughs> right, exactly. Order a pizza and eat it in bed, which is what we did. Oh, I forgot we did that. Yeah, definitely do that. That's the way to watch yeah. it. Preferably wearing sweatpants. Sweatpants. Oh, yeah, and you didn't have any sweatpants, so I lent you a pair of sweatpants for this viewing experience. That's and true. And just, like, watch. Uh, I remember very distinctly one thing about this movie was so many different things being used to hit someone over the head with. Oh, my gosh, so many things. And we yeah. were just, like, they, he'd be, like, there'd be lamps in the, in the foreground that we'd be, like, oh, someone's going to get hit with that. Like, everybody just got a hit in the head nonstop. Yup. All right, so, Hannah, on our very, very brand spanking new patented scale, how many Bloody Marys out of five would you give Secret Obsession? I'm going to go ahead, and this might be a little controversial, but I'm going to go ahead and say we'll give it a three out of five Bloody Marys. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good for that. Yeah. That feels right. That feels right. Um, so we want to end every week by sort of talking about a, a thing that has happened 
to a woman or girl this week, uh, whether that's contemporaneous in the, the last week or this week in history. And so we wanted to talk about the story of Marianne Scott, who was an eight-year-old who was uh, recently uh, denied the, the right or the chance to have her school photo taken. Um, she's a young black girl and had red extensions in her hair. And when she got to school, they told her that they were not going to allow her to take a school photo um, because only natural hair colors were allowed in school photos. Um, and Hannah, I read this story earlier this morning and I thought immediately of an experience that you had with school <laughs> photos. <laughs> oh my God, wait, because we were also talking about starting a um, like a Instagram or a Twitter account for this podcast and that if you want to use that school photo <laughs> oh wow perfect perfect first post but yes um, yes when we get our socials situated we will uh, share this this lovely school photo that Hannah's about to tell you about uh, yes I was once told uh, when I was in second grade I believe that I was not going to be allowed to have my photo taken because there was no way that our mother would allow for me to have my picture taken with my hair in the state it was in and I told the woman that my mom was actually the person who did my hair that day and uh, what she did was what I asked for which was I said I wanted as many tiny ponytails as I could fit on my head and, and there were quite a few. Quite a few. I'd say at least 15 tiny ponytails on my head. And this woman basically attempted to um, brush the hair down or, like, flatten it against my head until... Which was impossible because her hair... Let's be clear. Your hair was not very long to begin with. So no. it was just like... It's like a chia like, pet. Like yeah, exactly. Sprouts, exactly. sprouts thriving out of a chia pet. And yep. luckily... I had a teacher nearby who was like, no, this is on brand for this child. <laughs> We're confident that her mother We're did this to her. confident that her mother has allowed her to have her photo taken this way. But yes, it is a, I, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I can relate. <laughs> um, and you, be, as a Chicagoan, you have a happy, happy ending to our story this oh, week. Oh, right. Yeah, so the happy ending to this story is that a photographer, professional photographer from Chicago, uh, did her up and gave her an entire photo shoot and extremely like if you haven't seen it go look it up because the photos he took of her are very empowering as well um, he took like really beautiful pictures of her like highlighting her strength and individuality and I thought that was really cool and so he did that all for free for the family just to be like oh they won't take her school picture I'll give her an entire legit photo shoot with an actual photographer, like, capturing her essence in an amazing way. So it was really cool. Right. Much better than any school photo photographer could have any do could have ever done. No disrespect to school, school photographers. photographers. But it's like, you know, out of all those background patterns you could pick from, none of them are going to get you those kind of photos. Yeah, definitely. Um. Okay, wonderful. Well, we um, don't have our social media set up yet, but we will by next week, I promise, and I will share Hannah's beautiful school photo. Um, in the meantime, everyone have a good week. Hannah, I'll see you next week. Yes, of course. And uh, friends, we will see you next Sundays. Bye.